0: Welcome to Romancing the Screen, the podcast where intimacy coordinators, actors, and the crew bear all. I'm so excited to welcome you guys to our inaugural episode of Romancing the Screen. So in this podcast, we're just going to go a little bit over who we are, what this podcast is about, and why, we hope, you'll be very excited to listen to it. So I'm Catherine. I've been an intimacy coordinator for the last four or five years, and I'm very excited to introduce my colleagues. Hi, I'm Rachel, or Ray, Rachel Flesher.
1: Uh, I use they, she, and he pronouns on rotation, and I am an intimacy coordinator. I've been an intimacy coordinator since 2000. and 18. And I got to meet the wonderful Annie when I first started doing this work.
2: Good morning. I'm Annie Spong, Intimacy Coordinator, and I've been an intimacy coordinator since 2018 and very honored to be in this work with my dear colleagues. And as we explore, you know, in these warm conversations about our profession, how it's come to become what it is and how it's unfolding and how we intersect with each member of the crew and, and the executives and how we support that vision to become a reality on screen.
1: Yeah,
2: I think we met
1: uh, past our initial meetings, kind of in SAG-AFTRA meetings, where we were all joined together trying to help to codify and solidify some more of the rules, regulations, the, and also the how to do this job I know that we all have some different intersections with how we began. Uh, Catherine, I know that you and I kind of met because we were in these shared spaces and you have some crossover in our interests in queer culture and
0: writing. How did you get into intimacy coordination? So I came from a production background, actually. So I had been doing theater up in the Bay Area in around, like, 2014. And that's kind of, like, when, like, the concept of an intimacy director was still very, very new. I feel like someone had maybe just written an article that had gone in some kind of, like, theatrical, like, newsletter. Everyone was talking about it. I remembered hearing about it and being interested in it. Um, The problem with doing theater in San Francisco is you can't really make enough money to survive. So I moved down to Los Angeles and was very interested in working in television and worked on the production side of things for quite a few years. And I was working on a show that had had some alleged difficulties um, with how they handled their intimacy coordination or their intimate scenes. Um, And they hired the first intimacy coordinator who was working in Los Angeles, who was Amanda Blumenthal. And it was one of those shows where it was not... A great environment. People were pretty terrible to Amanda. And I simply, like, struck up a conversation with her, Oval Bagels, at a production meeting. And she, at this point, knew that HBO wanted every show to have an intimacy coordinator. And I had had, perhaps naively, been quite surprised by how sort of misogynistic, like, behind the scenes on a lot of sets I'd been were. That I'd had a lot of problems with people just being very inappropriate And there being sort of no recourse. So I was really interested in, like, how to make sets safer. I was actually really interested in how to make sets safer for, like, women who worked on the crew. And then intimacy coordination seemed like a way to really kind of hone in on, you know, maybe you can't change every single thing about set life, but you can at least set the standard that these scenes are going to be filmed in, like, a respectful and safe way. Um, And when Amanda, at this point, she knew that she wanted to set up a training program to train, like, intimacy coordinators to like work in LA specifically at the time. And she invited me to basically be her Guinea pig. So I drove to her house every Sunday for like four months. We came up with this training program and I started working.
2: Fantastic. And Annie, what's your background? Oh, I come to this from a costume design background. So I was in the field for many, many years with quite a bit of intimacy with actors. And that, being a relationship between myself and actors and what they were gonna be wearing and how that worked for them on set. And I was noticing regularly whether a writer or producer would come and ask me if I thought this particular actor might be comfortable if we tried doing a scene as it was not written meaning with some nudity or potential intimacy. And for me, I was scratching my head thinking, this is the lack of transparency here is, is not right. And I'm being put in a position where I'm the one that's gonna be navigating a, a situation that is, is not appropriate. So for me, that's where my mindset was when HBO contacted me and said, this is, a, this is a position that's emerging rapidly. You are perfectly suited for in your demeanor and how your emotional intelligence and how you go about things to step into this. Will you have a look at it? And I said, absolutely. And that's when I met Alicia Rodas and Rachel and began doing the fundamental training that we were all figuring out on the fly. Um, And I started working. Yes. And how I met Rachel and Catherine were in two different arms of this work, you know, both having really solid, important aspects coming to how we became what we are today. But Catherine was through SAG After Meetings and Rachel was through some of this fundamental training that was beginning through an organization that surfaced called Intimacy Coordinators International.
1: Intimacy Directors International. Yeah, that's right.
2: Intimacy Directors International that I was part of early on Mm -hmm. and that became IDC.
1: Yeah. Intimacy Directors International uh, was founded, I think, in 2014. Um, It was... Uh, founded by Alicia Rodas, Tony Asina, and uh, Siobhan Richardson. And I started intimacy directing back in 2009 when I met the wonderful Tony Asina back in college. She was teaching my college. So I fell in love with this idea of intimacy direction. She really woke me up as someone who was in the fight world. I was doing stage combat and stunts. And I was being constantly asked to be, and I'm making air quotes around this phrase, the woman in the room, Um, constantly being said that because of my gender, I was more suited to ask questions concerning consent and bodily autonomy and was told that I could help make buffers between these men in power and myself and the other actors in the room. And Tonya was one of the first people to say, hey, that's not how this goes down. Let's talk about this in different format. And then it was in, so after that beginnings in theater, I started working on what would this look like in a film set? Uh, What would this look like in university? Because I was stunt performing and I was getting asked to do a lot of nudity on the fly. I was constantly being the person who was on set saying, oh, you're doing this in a bathing suit. Can you just like maybe lose your top at one point? And I didn't have anyone on set to look to and say, hey, is there any rules around this? Is there any regulations around this? It was just me advocating for myself. And I noticed that in every other element on a film set, there's someone coordinating what we do. There's someone to ask about questions, but there just wasn't for nudity and there just wasn't for simulated sex. And so that was when I started trying to think of better rules and regulations for my students, Um, and I ran into Alicia Rodas who was doing the same thing and it was sparks blue. It was amazing. And she started working on the deuce. And then I very luckily got to start working on glow and it was absolutely magical. And now the dominoes have fallen and I got to meet all these incredible people and we wanted to do this podcast because we found some shared frustrations and fears and, uh, just misconceptions about what is the role of an intimacy coordinator? What are we doing? How are we had managing this transitional time where we're still trying to codify what it is that the job is? How do we make it the best for everyone on set?
2: Yeah, the genesis, the genesis of this was recognizing that we landed in the industry with such um velocity that there was some misconceptions within our own community but also within film production and everyone involved in like where were the where was the delineation of what our role was and what was expected and how much and what kind of training need is needed and where do we intersect and figuring out that you know we are here to support the vision of film and television and theater and you know to do that the best we can creating transparency authenticity consent safety advocacy throughout the project
0: yeah
2: one thing it's been interesting hearing you guys talk is you
0: guys both came from like very creative onset backgrounds and when i started doing this job beforehand i was working in the production office which is kind of like the logistical head of how a show works. And part of why I was very interested in this work is there is such a strong divide between how actors get treated versus how everyone else gets treated. Where I remember when I worked my very first job as like just a PA, they were like, if an actor ever asks you a question about the schedule. Tell them you don't know, even if you do, because you don't want to be the person who told an actor something they weren't supposed to know. And even like it continued, like the further I got up in the produ- in production, like what you send to crew members and what you send to actors are completely different. Like actors don't get access to the same schedule the same way like crew members do. Like there's this whole idea that actors are kind of like siloed off in a way where they're often treated in ways that are detrimental to the crew, but then also they're never treated really as, like, full members of the team. And I think when you bring that attitude toward intimate scenes, that's part of what creates this, like, really, really sort of toxic culture that can sometimes around it, where, like, actors are already treated like people who don't get the full knowledge, who don't get to, like, really know what's going on in the same way. Um, And then when you add any kind of, like, personal autonomy on top of that, it creates a pretty nasty stew. But also... It's actually production coordinators that before intimacy coordinators handled all of the paperwork, despite the fact we weren't on set and had no way to enforce it, and would never send it to costume designers, the people that actually would be the ones who would be like, it's like, so for nudity writers, tells how much nudity an actor is comfortable with. The production supervisor, a person who's almost never on set, would handle that and not send it to costume designers. The person who is in charge of costuming the actor and deciding how much nudity they're going to wear, obviously a very valuable piece of information. It was just a completely, like it was like everyone stayed in their own lane and there was no communication about these scenes to keep everyone on the same page. Not with the actor, not with the crew, you know, not with the lawyers. Like everyone just would fill out their thing and not actually make sure anyone was on the same page about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's born from this kind of, almost shameful culture around the way we treat nudity and simulated sex culturally, I think, as well, especially here in the U.S. Um, So I think that finding a way to bring all of that information together and have it be led with transparency and also have it be led by actors uh, being able to have conversations with someone who is not in charge of their hiring or firing, legitimately someone who's there to advocate for their wants and their needs and their desires and then make sure that the director's vision is also upheld and respected in a, in the best way that it can possibly be related. I love that our job is bringing together the artistic and the logistical and has to do with multiple levels of A development of the pre-production, the production itself, and then post-production, helping to manage with the greatest care Mm -hmm. every bit of the recording process. When Annie first approached me about doing a podcast about intimacy coordination and having these warm conversations, something that was really important to her and I think to all of us was that we are not just talking about our views on intimacy coordination, but on... The industry as a whole and asking more intimacy coordinators their experience and hearing from directors and first ADs and costumers and producers and really getting into conversations about how can our job be more helpful, more supportive? Where are the wrinkles? What are the things people don't yet understand? And how do we move forward collectively to make a better industry?
2: Yeah, agree. The genesis Ultimately, is how do we create deeper community between each other as intimacy coordinators, as a community in the production world, and create more transparency and authenticity, which bodes creativity. When, when we are transparent about what our vision is, actors and ourselves can be authentic in the space about what we're doing, and then there's consent for the activities that are going to occur, which creates so much space for a creative process that would not be present prior to this. And I am so indebted to this community and your efforts in holding the space for all of us to continue to grow and to participate and we cannot wait to bring others into this conversation and have a more well-rounded visual and you know just a perspective on what's happening and what we need to do next. Yeah, I think it's also really wonderful Catherine what you were
1: mentioning earlier about us having these backgrounds where costumes, stunts, theater i'm gesturing re- to everyone <laughs> and also this idea of how do we take all of our backgrounds and find those pieces that we can have conversations about oh this was really helpful in this field how do we connect that how do we draw the lines to make even more complex beautiful art as we keep building this cool industry that we're all in because it happens so fast y'all it happened so, so fast, fast.
2: Yeah, so fast that it became really a a juggernaut in the industry. And we were getting a tremendous amount of pushback with production because people didn't understand our role, even myself being on set with other costumers. And, you know, having a costumer blow up at me going, I don't know why you're here. Like, what's your role? And like, you know, having to step back and go, "Okay, there is not enough information yet, you know. We're here to support you. We're not, I'm not here to step on your toes. I'm here to support the vision of this. And perhaps because of what Catherine shared about the clear divide between production and actors. And that's such a very true statement. Like what information is given? There's a lack of transparency within the production about what we're doing. So there's this, you know, grist between even departments about where we intersect, rather than a collaborative sense that we all have the same vision. And, you know, that is something that I'm here to demystify and help clarify any way we can.
0: Absolutely. One thing that I'm really hoping is for anyone who is, like, entering this industry with, like, aspirations, either working as a crew member, an actor, or a director, that this can help give people the sort of solid foundation they need to be like, okay, if I have gotten hired and I have to work on a sex scene... What do I do? Like, what is supposed to happen? Like, how do... Because I have... One thing I always tell new actors when they have certain questions, especially if they're working on student films and they call and ask some questions, is there's two different things you're thinking about. There's your own personal boundaries... And then there's also like what is like the standard and professional and correct way to behave. And you should know if someone is breaking the kind of like rules, even if you don't feel uncomfortable with it, you should know that they are doing that and they cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And like your own personal, like it's not, it is about your own personal boundaries, but also making sure that the way people are approaching you is professional and comes from, like, a place of artistry and not a place where you were going to get hurt. And I think once you know what the rules are, you then know how to articulate your own boundaries better than when everything is just, like, the swirling vortex of, like, is it even okay they asked me that? Is it, like, not okay? Like, am I being prudish? And then, but actually, like, there are certain ways and, like, rights you have as an actor that you are owed to be protected. And those rules
1: are really new as well. Yes. Like, we're in such a new, brand new time for this industry. How do we have the hard conversations in a warm, nice way? Uh, you might hear creaking and birds and, and coffee mugs. And that's because we're sitting around a table having chats about having co- coffee, having coffee yeah. eating <laughs> scones that Annie has home baked. <laughs> so and good. Trying to really. Get into some of this in a kind way because it's okay that we're learning and doing things different. We're all yeah. heading towards the goal of a better, brighter, mm-hmm. easier, to, more transparent future for film and television
2: when it comes to simulated sex. I think that when, one of the things we all recognize is that like looking like Rachel mentioned, like the, the, the rules and the guidelines that are out there around nudity, intimacy sex simulated sex
1: and he's got air quotes over all those words over by the all way.
2: those because there's so many gray lines yeah. there is not a definition of intimacy or nudity yeah or you know kissing is kissing intimate yes kissing's intimate touching's intimate you know so Uh, figuring out with, um, your productions and for yourself, creating that transparency, that authenticity, being willing to stand in that space and be like, these are the questions we have to ask each other. We need to delineate. I, you know, I'm asked often by production, where do you think you need to be here? I said, I think I need to be there when there's any, any kissing, Physical contact, touch outside of like, you know, just the the brush on the shoulder. I said I think it needs to be addressed because everybody's boundaries and you know s- safety are important, yeah. and not everybody is comfortable being grabbed or touched, if, even if it's not sexual. Mm-hmm.
1: And I Mm -hmm. think that something that is really interesting that Annie and Catherine have talked about a little bit is where are the rules that actually exist and where are the standards that your production wants to have for actors, for safety, for crew, for safety? These are safety positions. The conversation isn't just we're trying to be precious or coddle. I get told a lot that, oh, you know, when I began acting, we just we just did it. We just there wasn't so much. We weren't worried. And I don't think for me, my tone is to come in and coddle. My tone is to come in and have a transparent conversation about you as an actor, what are you confident doing? Where are your boundaries? What are your expectations? And then to help translate those to the director and the rest of the production team and say, cool, this is what this actor is expecting. Does the scene meet our expectations? Does this sound like it'll fit within the vision? Can we help create a space For most creativity here and most communication. I'm not here to be the director. No, no, no. Not my lane. I'm here to say, hey, cool. Here's your vision. Here's an actor's expectation. Where are we meeting in the middle in perfect synergy? And where are there some spaces that we can help create some more synergy so that it's the best experience for everyone involved? And part of that's just not being afraid, not being afraid to ask the awkward questions, air quotes on awkward, because Yeah, anytime
0: we talk about sex, nudity, bodies, can feel awkward. To build off on what Rachel just said, one thing that I... So I usually ask actors, like, you know, in confidence, if they have ever had any experiences with simulated sex or nudity that were not good experiences or, you know, were something that was, like, traumatic in some kind of way. And I would say about 90% of the stories I hear are actually not someone who was deliberately going out of their way to be predatory. It's because... Like, directors, people in general, you know, in America, don't know how to talk about sex. They especially don't know how to talk about sex in a professional context. And I would say so many of the things that were going wrong on sets are because directors didn't have the language or were too embarrassed or felt too awkward to express their vision— in a way, until actors got to set, and then actors would feel completely blindsided. And directors often write very, like, I felt like it was considered the best way to write these scenes for a long time was to be very vague. Like, I remember I worked on a show where I got hired at the last minute because a sex scene had literally been written like this. They just said, we walk into the room. It's like, it was like a work scene. They're going at it. That was the whole scene. Yeah, and the director read that and was like, oh, this is going to be full nudity, full simulated sex. One of the actors read it and was like, this is like a handsy makeout, fully clothed. They did not have that conversation up until someone sent her like a writer to sign and she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <sighs> and so they brought me in tw- like 24 hours before we were supposed to film to be like, oh, we should figure this out. And like, again, I don't, I genuinely did not think that director was trying to be malicious in any way. He just like, didn't He went. didn't have, he felt too uncomfortable talking about her body and sex and was like, oh, she'll get it. She's read the script. Like there's just like that ability to have professional conversations is just really lacking around sex scenes. And I think that's so much what we do is just give people the words and the language and ask the right questions to make sure there is actually an artistic vision that everyone is working towards and understands.
2: I 100% agree, Catherine. And I think that that is a big, big point of what the genesis of this work is, is that those conversations were never had Mm -mm. until two people landed on set. And still to this day, we get pushback where directors don't or a writer does not want to have a full conversation about their vision. And that's one of our jobs is to get way ahead of this curve so that I'm understanding this vision a week or more out so that I can have these conversations with the actors. The, the other piece of it is not only do writers, directors, executives not understand, they've never had these conversations personally mm-hmm. in their own lives, let alone professionally, so that we're seeing that there's this glunkiness about like, well, the, just make it sexy. I'm like, well, you are a different age, gender, and whole demographic and sexual orientation than this scene. So let's go back and like rework this together. And then for an actor, unless they understand their boundaries, which many people don't, they have a hard time understanding like what's okay for them. So we're also in that space of like, where's your no? Because you cannot consent to this unless you have a no somewhere. And that understanding that that yes only can happen if there's a no somewhere, that that I have a boundary around this or about my body or how someone can touch me or the content of this. And this is like such a big piece of how this works and an actor landing in a space feeling safe to be creative. Yes.
1: Oh, my gosh. You just made me think of two quotes, Annie. The first quote was,
2: yes means nothing in a world where no
1: doesn't exist. Correct. And the other is that sexy is subjective. And with those two ideas and the idea that we're all coming from a different worldview, different backgrounds, different life experiences, and we're trying to create a shared story and experience for an audience, it's very easy for things to get uh, just a little bit misconstrued. Mm -hmm. And so how do we have a conversation about that? I'm so excited to talk to you all about that this season. And also that we have such different backgrounds and really dig in and to talk to our guests and hear what they have to say and what questions they have. And hopefully hear from the viewers out from you, the the viewers, viewers, listeners, viewers, Whatever you're, however you're ingesting your media, uh, I hope that you will come and ask us questions, what make suggestions. Yeah, what's
2: worked for you? We want to hear all sides of this and your thoughts about the industry, how it's worked, how it hasn't worked, and you know, we want you to participate in this too. Thank you so much for listening. You can find romancing the screen on all social media platforms, IG, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and. X. And you can email us at romancingthescreenpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have specific questions for Annie, Rachel, or Catherine, please address them to us and we'll be happy to entertain those. Thank you so much. Take good care and cut.